cut, cut. What are you doing? You've ruined my shot. I'm trying to make a movie here. Excuse me, Mr. Director Dude. Uh, why are you making a movie with this crazy, horrible hide monster? He dropped the house on us. You wrecked the back lot? If I'm charged for your mistakes, you will pay! Why would I wreck the back lot? Oh, it doesn't matter anyways. Now, where's the star of our show? Hey, guys! I'm up here! Who took you so long? Oh, like zombies! It's actor, singer, dancer, comedian, Sandy Duncan! Well, oh my goodness, what is that? It looks like a new episode of Heavy Metal, a podcast about Scooby-Doo. I'm your host, Ethan Brundine, and each week, myself and a guest will take you through a mystery from somewhere in the vast history of the greatest cartoon of all time. My guest this week is my pal, Andy Gurmuga, and the episode that he is here to discuss is Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, Season 2, Episode 13, the dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde. Andy, welcome back to Heavy Metal. Ethan, thank you so much for having me back. It's a true honor to return. I had so such fun the first time. I'm so glad to be back, and I'm so glad to beat half of my co-stars to the second go-round. It has uh, been... My co-hosts. A lot of uh, co-hosts of the podcast, Can I Kick It, of course. That's right, um, yes. Are, who, we, who maintain petty rivalries with each other. The, the, I, I was going to say we're more of sister podcasts, but if you want to be enemies, we could be enemies. No, 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 no. Not the podcast between, not between the podcasts, among the co-hosts of Can I Kick It, there are petty rivalries. Okay, uh, sure. We, yes, we are, we are, have nothing but good feelings about heavy metal and are happy to support you in any way. Great. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, yeah, if you want to um, just send all of your listeners to me, that would be wonderful. Um, sure, that's how I'll it works. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like uh, on you probably don't know this because, um, well, Andy, you are my old friend. Um, if we, if we must refer to me this way, yes, that is accurate. I am the old person of the, especially of the Sicky crew. Um, I say that with peace and love, of course. Um, right. I take it you don't know much about the streaming platform Twitch. I'm I'm familiar with Twitch to some extent. Yes. Okay. Um, well, you know, at the end of Twitch streams, uh, the sure. person hosting the stream has the option to send their entire audience. Right to someone else's stream. I'm um, yes, I think I'm familiar with this concept. So you should find a way to uh, reprogram the entire podcasting um, infrastructure of the internet, infrastructure technology, all of that, specifically sure. to send the Can I Kick It listeners to heavy metal once they have finished the episode with whatever blockbuster guest you've had on, because you guys listen. <laughs> So we're chilling out on the guests a little bit this year, so it's just going to be it's mo- it's going to be more the the the, the good times gang before the. Four oh, so you are uh, so you're trying to hemorrhage listeners, is what you're saying? Let, you know, we'll see how we'll see what it does to our numbers. You know, there's there will still be strategic uh, marquee names. I'm certainly certain. Sure, sure. 
Well, meanwhile, I mean, I've got a real banger guest on this episode, let me tell you. Absolutely. I bring Boffo box office wherever I go. They've been clamoring to get Andy Gramuka back. I mean, it's been a long time since you were on this show. Yeah, it's like almost a year. Yeah, I mean, I would say babies have been conceived and born since you were on, certainly. Um, Sure. Not in response to me being on the first time. (laughs) There's there's no way of knowing, is there? I guess not. If you, hey, anyone out there, if I inspired you to have a baby, please Mm -hmm. inform me of that fact. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to know. I don't want any involvement necessarily, unless you really want that. I would consider it. But uh, you could be God. You could be a good godparent, Andy. I I think I would be. Yes. Thank you for recognizing that. You're you're a good Catholic, right? Uh, I am a confirmed Catholic. There you go. That's all that matters. In the, in the... Yes. <laughs> I could be the Pope. I could be the next Pope. Okay. Well, that's that'll be your goal for sure. Um, yeah. What you been up to, Andy? Anything exciting? Oh, God. Like, I mean, uh, since last time I was on or like, like I don't know, like I went to New York a couple times. Like, I, I've had, I've done things since then. Uh, more recently, you know, uh, it's winter time. It's cold outside. Often, I like to stay warm, uh, and you know, Scooby Doo—a wow. perfectly good way to to yeah. stay warm. Sure, I guess so. Have you watched? Here's a question. Yes. Have you watched a single cartoon since you were last on the show? Sure. I, I um, began a quest uh, somewhat recently, actually. To uh, because the Bob's Burgers movie is yes. uh, re- released a trailer and is in is imminent in the next. Uh, I think I think it's dated for March or May or something like that. Um, uh, I uh, began a quest to catch up on that because I'm like three and a half seasons behind or something. Uh, and it, uh, I also there was a time where like one of the f- like like when I would have to do like two truths and a lie at a party or whatever. One of the things I would say is I have seen every episode of The Simpsons, uh, mm-hmm. and that is no longer true because I similarly fell off around the same time on The Simpsons. So I would also like to catch up on that. So I've watched a couple episodes of those shows in my effort to be current on both of them for uh, clout reasons and also just so I can see a movie, which will have no tie into a show that has uh, no real continuity to speak of. Um, Bob, Bob's Burgers is a good show. I yeah. Like that show. Makes me laugh. It's very funny, very charming. Songs every episode. Love it. I had set a goal for myself yeah. to watch. I made this about halfway through last year. I was said I was mm-hmm. gonna watch every episode of The Simpsons by the end of 2022. Now, um, 2022 is here. I've yes. not watched a single episode of The Simpsons so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um so it might be looking like the end of 2023 by the time that I finish. You've that. got so much time. Come on, you the the, the year is young. You could uh, you could you could. I, I have finished season 15. Okay, uh, so you're like a little under halfway. Not even halfway through the show. Right, it's true. they're they're on like 33 now. I think 33 yep. is what's airing mm-hmm. currently. Only yeah. only. Uh, Good stuff ahead of me, I'm sure. Um, Yes, exclusively good episodes. (laughs) Listen, I am a Modern Simpsons somewhat defender. Like, I'm like, I I think they do good episodes, but yeah, certainly there are bad episodes of The Simpsons, and they are more frequent in the latter half of the run. I will, that even that, even I will admit that. I've not watched a 
episode of this show that has been produced since like I guess like two thousand and four or five, I guess. Um, sure. But uh, I have seen some of their recent um, brand initiatives. I guess of you course. Call them. Uh, yes. Simpsons, Balenciaga. Yeah. Uh, really, really awful stuff, Andy. Um, I disagree. I think it's a charming, fun time. You think Simpsons Balenciaga? Yeah. Is a charming, time. fun time. Fun gags. No, buddy. Yeah. I, I, I could believe that the show has has some some integrity left to it, but that that short was. Really I mean, I can't say it's stuck with me particularly, but I I had a pleasant enough time watching it. It's only like ten minutes long. Can you remember a single gag that you liked? Uh, he wears the puffy coat. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that's maybe the key art that I'm remembering more than anything else. Yeah, that's um, the, the letterbox poster. Uh, sure, right, yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. It's a funny image. It's not what Homer usually wears. Simpsons Balenciaga. Okay. We'll get, we got it. We got it. It's pretty good from Andy here. Um, yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Sure. Have you watched any media mm-hmm. featuring Sandy Duncan since the last time? That is an excellent question, and it is also a gotcha question because I have not. I wow. uh, that seems wow. I should I should have done so. But number uh, one, Sandy Duncan fan, uh, self self presented expert of. Uh, entertainer sandy duncan you have not engaged with her it's, well excuse me that it's 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 what actor singer dancer comedian, comedian mm-hmm. sandy duncan yep uh as we uh hear several times in the episode of scooby-doo we're about to talk about but um yeah no i mean i i think we talked about this last time i am we're, we're uh I, she is just someone who i have heard of Yep. which I think makes me somewhat unique among your potential guest pool, right? Um, yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, uh, in that I have heard of Sandy Duncan. Uh, I don't know if I've ever really particularly consumed anything of hers uh, and like registered that I was like watching a Sandy Duncan thing. I opened up her letterboxed account. Sure. Or not her account, I guess. She may have an account. Her prof- or not her profile. Her uh Yes, her, her 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 yes, exactly. Her her body of work, but exclusively movies. Because as we know, she's been she's sure. done plenty in the realm of television and, and the stage. Sure. Yes. But the the central premise of both uh both episodes that you have come on to discuss is that she is right. a movie star. That's right. right. She's she's the real like lady of the backlot. She like really like she's a she's a creature of the of the soundstage. She has been in seventeen films. Sure, uh, the majority of which are animated. I'm sure. Right? She, yes, the majority of which she's either has one line, are oh. like filmed review things like there's something called night of a hundred stars from 1982 sounds sure great uh wow i mean really a hundred stars, stars. How, how can you contain that many stars in one program there are so many stars here i'm looking at all of them it's crazy yeah 
Don't go ah. blind, Ethan. Don't get Ethan. Oh, they're on your the, shades. You're right. right. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to figure out who was first build, but they were in alphabetical order. Uh, I mean, that's the way you got to do it when you got 100 yeah. stars. The ego's at play. Are you kidding me? But yes, she's also in a lot of in a, in a handful of animated things. You know, the Swan Princess, the Fox and the Hound. That's sort of right. Rockadoodle. But she is the lead screen presence. Yes. In two films from her okay. heyday, the seventies. Sure. These are both. Um, these are both Disney family entertainment. Sure. Um, Thinking like um, Swiss Family Robinson type type stuff right have you got any inkling what they might oh be? man and i like gonna be real i was literally just looking at her imdb as we were having this discussion uh i'm not currently but i was uh within the last two minutes would be like a generous amount of time to say has elapsed since i was last looking at her imdb page yep. uh and uh i cannot name one of the movies that you are uh referring to right now no both of these are streamable on disney plus of course um, oh sure we should uh, check them out yeah these would probably fall into the uh the umbrella of when disney plus day happened when they first announced everything at once right the very first thread of like this is everything that will be on disney plus that broke twitter and they were going in chronological order so like there was a long stretch where it was just nothing anyone had ever heard of right yeah yeah. that would be where these would fall into you've got um million dollar duck of course and the cat from outer space Wow, two animal pictures. Uh-huh. Now, let me tell you, the cat from outer space looks really good. Um, yeah? A UFO is stranded on Earth and impounded by the U.S. government. Its pilot, a cat with a collar that gives it special powers, including the ability to communicate with humans, has eluded the authorities and seeks the help of a scientist in order to reclaim and repair his ship and get back home. Holy shit, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's got other Disney... Uh, Mainstays yeah. such as Ronnie McDowell and Alan sure. Young, uh, just uh-huh. great stuff. Million Ethan, dollar, can... yeah. Go ahead. Go million ahead. dollar duck um, seems yeah. to be about the goose that laid a golden egg. But what if it was a duck instead? Um, sure, cheaper to get on camera, probably. Uh huh. Professor Dooley takes home a duck from his research laboratory as a toy for his son. Seems like a bad. Uh, That's, way yeah, don't give animal. animals as toys. No, certainly not a duck. But soon finds out that it lays golden eggs. Uh, her husband, the professor, is being played by Dean Jones. Classic. You got to get Dean Jones in there. Yeah. Yep. Ethan, we, we should watch these live on Twitter Spaces. We honestly should. We could do it very soon. I don't see why not. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's no chance that they are bad. No, not at all. <laughs> They could only be good. Um, yeah, it's the. I don't think anyone would join us, but we could definitely do it. Uh, Capture sure. space and Million Dollar Duck make it a great double feature. Yeah, how long are they? Uh, the probably. Million Dollar Duck is eighty nine minutes. Perfect. And the Capture Matter Space is a robust one hundred and four. Wow! <laughs> All right, so we got to block off like three and a half hours, roughly. Uh-huh. Have a brief intermission in between. Yeah. But uh, we can make this happen. Yeah, it's 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 surely it would be worth everyone's time. Um, sure. But that's Listen, we're the- all we're all paying for Disney Plus anyway. <laughs> exactly. Might as well explore the back catalog. Like they're not dropping Book of Boba Fett and at a enough volume to make it like 
Like I, I got could, all this time between these episodes. There's no amount of volume that is large enough or small enough to get me to watch the book of Boba Fett, Andy. Um, I'm not asking you to. I have zero interest in such a thing, but I would yeah. happily use my Disney Plus subscription to watch uh, the Million Dollar Duck. Yeah, that, and the that is perfect stuff. Exactly, sure. exactly. Um, so let's talk about this very unique situation we have here. Where yes, because um, I also like I don't know anything about this show at all, and so I will need you to like tell me about it. <laughs> So last time and you like were on this the show, era of Scooby Doo, perfect, perfect. Last time you were on the show, as uh, if if our millions of listeners perhaps, right. if you didn't like re-listen to that episode in anticipation of this one coming out, exactly, exactly. Um, you were on the show uh, in 2021 to discuss mm-hmm. uh, an episode of the new Scooby Doo movies, right? Uh, the show and boy, what a movie it was! Uh huh. The show from the 70s, um, in which they were 42-minute-long episodes uh, in which there would be a special guest star every week. And that episode was called Sandy Duncan's Jekyll and Hyde. Um, yes. The premise was that they are going to a, uh, a movie studio, Mammoth Studios, and Daphne gets roped into being Sandy Duncan's stunt, stunt double, double for a Jekyll and Hyde film and then they end up solving the mystery and saving the studio right yes i mean it takes a while there's like a lot of like tunnels and like like they go to various locales within the back lot or whatever and then the guy who did it is a guy who like they hadn't even brought up the as epi- a person. yeah the episode has some breathing room for sure yes uh, sure uh well um, I don't think you knew this at the time. Yeah. Um, you may have discovered it on air, but right. uh, you learned that there was in, in very, in what is very abnormal for Scooby-Doo. Right. Um, there was in fact a sequel to yes. that episode. Right. Um, There's some sort of continuity in the Scooby-Doo universe somehow. Yes. Nearly 50 years later, they yes. made a sequel to that episode. Right. Um, as part Which, of the, like, if I recall correctly, it was like lost for a while, right? Like people like couldn't watch that episode for a that while. That episode, right? yes, was not was not <laughs> available to stream or or even watch on DVD until 2019. Right, <laughs> um, but then it was. Sure. And the next, and then I think maybe the next year. Let's see. Uh, yes, in o- October first, 2020, uh, you could watch. The dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde, which we are discussing today. Yes. Because as part of the Boomerang streaming service, a boutique uh, relic right. of, an, of a pre-HBO Max world. Right. Um, it was uh, uh, when, when, when niche streaming services were all the rage. Exactly. Part of the, uh, a show that a service that sort of sprung up amidst the, your... Uh, CISOs or even your verves, you know. Sure, right, um, yeah. Well, we have we have a small audience, but they're so passionate. Exactly they, exactly. they watch so much of our content. Boomerang, a streaming service that still exists, which I am still subscribed to. Um, For God's sake, Ethan. I listen. <laughs> listen. 
I am your ally in uh, in dumb as shit streaming services, but like, really? <laughs> I am subscribed to it for this podcast because there are sure. still two Scooby Doo shows that are not available to watch on HBO Max. As soon as That's they wild. are, I will immediately cancel my subscription to Boomerang. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But Boomerang, a streaming service that is basically solely. Uh, consisting of Hanna-Barbera content, uh, about 70% of which you can watch on HBO Max now, um, mm-hmm. somehow still exists. But their flagship show was Scooby-Doo and Guess Who? A okay. Reboot. So this was in a streaming original show. Yes, a Boomerang original show um, to bring in the audience of, I guess, just me? <laughs> Um, right. I mean, well, and it's what because like you wouldn't know from watching the like they it's like cut to time uh, yep. and ha- as ad breaks and stuff. Like, well, well I they, assume, does Boomerang have ad breaks in it? Uh, the it, I mean, no, it is not an ad supported service. Uh, sure, but they do air it in on you know like Teletoon in Canada and other places. Okay, so they sell it internationally. Yeah. I see. Okay, exactly. Boomerang um, is still a channel overseas it may still right, be right, 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 States, right. i don't know but um but this was part of uh the boomerang show as far as i know the only no that's not true they had boomerang had two original shows okay um, it was scooby-doo and guess who and then a re- reboot of wacky races um that's okay. what they had the wacky guess, races was just like all Hanna Barbera characters, just driving around with each other, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds sounds wacky. <laughs> the original Wacky Races is a show I like a lot. I think it's very funny because it's just just gags. You know, there's nothing extraneous on there as opposed sure. to other Hanna Barbera shows that try to fit stories twenty minutes and right. have a plot yeah. and yeah. do not hold up. <laughs> sure. Um, now. Scooby-Doo and guess who they had a whole season, 26 episodes. Yeah. Um, whole bunch of guests, really just A-listers. Uh, you know, you got uh, Ricky Gervais in there. Um, wow. We have uh, Jeff Dunham is, has an episode. Um, he brought the puppets, you know. So, to to the booth? Or <laughs> the puppets are part of the episode. What can I can't tell you. <laughs> Good. Uh, like, do they move independently from him, or are, like, is he ventriloquist? I have blocked the out the Jeff Dunham episode. Okay. I will say. I can't blame you for that. I suppose, but uh, have unsuccessfully yeah. blocked out the Ricky Gervais one. That one is stuck in the, in my mind every time I sure. go to bed. Um, Does he uh, question the existence of monsters a lot? Because there's no god. Oh, let me tell you, he's a real, real little sarcastic. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I think Ricky Gervais's atheist jokes are pretty hacky, but I couldn't Uh read them. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sticking up for Ricky Gervais's comedy on this show. I'm glad. That's not what I'm doing. No. No. You're not misinterpret what I'm saying. (laughs) He said, you know, maybe he's a hack, but he's pretty funny and you got to hand it to him. That's what you said. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Season two of this show. Yes. Right, which is what we came which from. Which is what we watched. Really bizarre um, circumstances here. They released half of the season. Now, Warner sure. Brothers cartoons are still, as of a few years ago, still beholden to a 26-episode season format. Um, 
Sure. Virtually unheard of in every other form of media these days. Uh, but they released yeah. they released 13 episodes the right. first half of the season, yeah. of which this is is in there. This is the 13th episode. So this did sure. premiere. This was this was a mid-season Um then they released a uh, a fourteenth episode independently, which had, the guest star was Alex Trebek. So they released that after he died. Um, oh and wow! Then, and then, that truly reason. out of nowhere, the the Scooby Doo Twitter account revealed. Guess what? Tomorrow, all of the rest of the episodes of Scooby Doo and Guess Who are going to be on HBO Max. Uh, the entire show uh, is no longer Boomerang exclusive. Watch it on HBO Max tomorrow. It's an HBO show. Have fun! <laughs> wow. And when was this? This was like this was October first, twenty twenty one. Okay. So a full year after the first half of right. season two premiered. Um, sure. And uh, like four months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now this show is. Um, on HBO, so I believe that it is... And production has ceased. They're not making more. Production right? has ceased. It was only every two seasons, as far as I know. Um, yes. So is there a Scooby-Doo in production right now at all? Oh, Andy, you're forgetting about Mindy Kaling's Velma show. <laughs> How could I? Mindy Kaling is so prolific. I cannot keep track of all her projects. I'm sorry, Ethan. She's really teamed up with, with, with HBO, let me tell you. Um, Right. We may see Velma this year. I don't know. Who it's knows? animated? Yes, it is. Uh, okay. Not really looking forward to that one, but I'll, I'll right. And they're watch doing like all, a, of course. They're doing a Scoob spinoff thing on HBO Max too, right? Like There will be there... a holiday special in the Scoob animated style. Sure. Okay. So, so they've got a couple of tracks. Neither of them... Yeah, I mean, still do, they still do the two animated movies a year thing. Um, okay. We'll probably see the next one of those pretty soon um, based on when the Courage movie came out. Uh, so, sure. yeah. Scooby-Doo never stops, Andy. I, like, well, right. this is like, I mean, it would be remarkable if it did. I'm yeah. sure it's paused at points. Sure. There, there have been years without Scooby-Doo content since it premiered, I am sure. Yes, but there. I uh, don't believe that there has been a single one since 1996 at this point. Sure. Um, it's rolling. The money keeps coming. Yeah. In. Well, especially yeah, in the in this eight current age of content, 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 like yeah, that is an easy, a uh, famously easy to churn out show is like a streamer's dream. Yep. Yep. <laughs> which which leads us to the dreaded remake. Of Jekyll and Hyde. Um, yes. Which was, at the time, if you exclude Batman, <laughs> the sure. only guest star, Sandy Duncan, was the only guest star to return from uh, Scooby-Doo, the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries. That is no longer the case because uh, in the second half of season two, there's a share episode. Um, oh, wow. And she and Sonny Bono, of course, were on the original show. Sure. He not he he didn't they didn't get him back. He did, he did not make it to the show. Um, no. That's a I've I've not watched the share episode. Do they reference him at all? I wonder. That would be. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I, like you know, things got messy, and then he died <laughs> on Scooby Doo. <laughs> well, what's interesting is the I was looking over the share episode this today. I did not watch it, but um, it yeah. appears that the monster net is a shark. And okay. the uh, 
original share episode from the 70s is called The Secret of Shark Island. So it looks like the dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde may not be the only... uh, That's like a real like reboot remake sequel deal. Yeah. Looks like yeah, that's the thing about this episode is it's like pulling a lot from this very bad episode of this the new episode is bewildering. Um, per- <laughs> perhaps was made exclusively for the two of us. I mean, I can't imagine who else would be like. Finally, I am being serviced by this. Like, <laughs> and I will tell you, I think it's better than the other one. Certainly. Uh, no I, arguments here on that front. I do not think that this is a, a, a stellar episode of television, um, I will say. It's a lot. It seems to have it, the exact opposite problem. Yes, it is so frantically paced that I am out of breath by the end of it, I think. It's uh, it's quite, yeah. I mean, they're, they are trying to do a lot. And then by the end, it's like, oh, and this is the explanation. Mm-hmm. And then it's over. It's, yeah, it's a lot. So let's um, get into it. Let's get into yes. the dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, this did yes. premiere along with the rest of the season on October 1st, 2020. Uh-huh. Uh, fun time in the world, October 1st, 2020, I would say. And a lot of really cool stuff was going on. Um you know, do you know what happened <laughs> October 1st, 2020, Andy? Uh, I mean, I could look at my calendar and see what I was up Something to. very specific happened October 1st, 2020. October uh, 1st that of 2020. The day that the then-president of the United States uh, contracted the novel coronavirus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, 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 it, because it was overnight, Yes. So it was late that night that they announced it, or it was, it was the previous night? I believe that it was that day, because um, I believe that I believe that he contracted it that night, yeah. Wow. Um, that's crazy. Remember <laughs> when, that, <laughs> yeah. when, when everyone was like, maybe he's going to die? Yeah. Um, that was wild. <laughs> really uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I can tell. I can tell you personally. On October first, twenty twenty, it looks like I was in the middle of uh, New York Film Festival mm-hmm. online that year. Uh, shout out to those Can I Kick It episodes where I talk about uh, the disciple. Um, and then I also it looks like I work. I had a work day that day, and I also uh, dropped off my car for some service. It looks like. Wow, thrilling! Really, just as a, yep. as engaging of an anecdote as the one that I just gave you. It's so, true. I I am interesting as interesting as as, uh, as uh, former President Donald J. Trump contracting the novel coronavirus. <laughs> so this episode is a cool open. <laughs> yes, it, it opens in uh, on a uh, billboard. Uh, that says uh, I love California land. Fascinating. Uh, which I thought was notable. Don't understand yeah. why they like nope. 
It's a Hollywood a, sign not existing. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not like that's the Hollywood sign is not copywritten, like in a way that you can't show it in things, I don't think. It's um, on the poster of one of the Scooby Doo movies. So yeah. <laughs> I love California Land is not a known slogan for no. California tourism in any way. But uh, it sets the scene. I, right. We are in California. Yes, we are. The gang. Fred says they're going back to Mammoth Studios. So this yes. is confirmed. They're returning right. to where they have been before. They, of course, do not think too hard about how old that makes all the characters. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is fine. I think that's fun. This is not a... It's not a remake, even though it says that it is. I mean, like it, it, it's well, it's in the in the show. Yes, they are remaking a Jekyll and Hyde film, but this is not a remake right. of the original episode. It's a direct sequel to no. that. Episode. They are remaking the film that they made in the first one, which is with the same people. They which cast is very Andy Duncan again. Daphne's going to be the star. Right. Yes, again. it's so <laughs> essential that in the remake they. Re- they bring back Sandy Duncan to play the same part and also get her same stunt double who is not a stunt person. Nope. nope. Uh, very fascinating setup that invo- invokes so many questions that the show is not interested in answering. This opening, uh, which it, yes. yes, no, it does not at all. Uh, the opening is exactly the same as the old one. They're driving through. They're right. like, wow, look at that. It's the... It's the Arc de Triomphe. It's the, it's the, you know. Right. It's the, right. Whatever. It's here's, yeah, here's the gate where we drive into the back lot of your dreams. Like, um. But uh, then, in a, in a wild left turn from the original. Uh, yes. The, Instead this, of the, uh, the, it, it got stuck on the bridge the first time, I think, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, instead, and, and you know you got to make the re the reboot bigger and better, I guess. Right. The uh, they they got more of a budget for this one. Clearly, the explosions budget was uh, yes. off the chain on this episode. The monster, the monstrous Mister Hyde, blows up the back lot. Yes, like so many facades get blown up, and like it's like an extended like it's a POV shot right on like the windshield of the mystery machine. Mm-hmm. And like Fred's like driving like a maniac, like swerving back and forth to avoid all these facades that are just dominoing, falling down in the street. It's uh, it's very action packed. They almost get squished by the the giant uh, you know facade of the Statue of Liberty. Yes, and then we cut to the to the theme song. Right, <laughs> and, and I it's heard- I was I was glad to hear that classic Scooby Doo. Melody, which yep. I was not, I wasn't sure if it would be there. But uh, yeah, the theme know. song is, of course, a, you know, a, they've added new lyrics to the the right. melody of the original song. Um, right. But I've written down that what happens in two minutes in this episode, yes, probably took twelve in the original. Uh, it's something like that. They, we certainly <laughs> yes, yeah, it's. The lethargic pace yeah. of them driving around the back lot in that original one is re- really like got you off to a bad start. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm pretty in. I think at this point, like, I'm like, okay, like if the animation style is like very like contemporary, like kids animated TV yeah. or whatever, right? And it's like, but and like it's it's obviously moving fast, but like they're doing a weird amount of callbacks. But I think like this is like a solid setup. And like the problem last time was that it was 
so fucking long and yeah. too bloated that like maybe they've solved all the problem like can like do a better version um that's actually good that reaches the potential because it's not yeah. a bad setup certainly like no it's fine backlot movies are fun like they're yeah yeah um at the end of the theme song every episode they have a different character announce who the uh the guest star sure. is yeah Daphne says jeepers it's sandy duncan um, she sure does which I'd love to know a si- I would love to actually a single child who yeah. was like <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> like they was- be yeah. Sandy Duncan. Like like I don't think kids these days know who Jeff Dunham is. And he was Probably popular, not. you know, 15 years ago as opposed to you know in Sandy Duncan's heyday. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh You're not watching the Hogan family. Yeah. I would actually like to amend my previous statement where I said I would love to meet the kid who knew who Sandy Duncan is. I would hate to meet that kid because I know <laughs> there are some precocious little, you know, kid who has just the worst parents that, you know, showed them the Hogan family and were like, this is actual entertainment right. as opposed to someone who goes you know, onto YouTube time. and is like, I actually like good music, not this crap or whatever. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Even though I'm eight or whatever it is. No one should ever watch the Hogan family ever again. That's my, that's my, take. probably it's pro- that one. It's probably okay. If we lose that one to the sense of history, I think I will admit I've never seen a single frame of it, but I can guarantee. I listen, listen, I love like, the American sitcom is like one of like is a treasured art form to me. Mm-hmm. I I have I think it's important that we maintain its history, right? Like know that people should know about like Mary Tyler Moore and Norman of Lear course. and of course and uh, I Love Lucy. Go see Being the Ricardos on Amazon Prime. Uh, but um, everything you were saying. <laughs> uh, but um, yes, the Hogan family is probably not that good. Probably not worth checking out. Yep. I can agree completely. Um, now, we're back to the episode. Yes. And we got a British director on a bullhorn coming uh-huh. at us. The gang realizes they've just walked into a movie set. Right. Uh, they like interrupt, They get in the way of the shot. Because apparently there are no like PAs on this set at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there is a director. Yes. Who seems to be modeled after either Peter Jackson or Guillermo del Toro. Um, I guess. He's, I mean, he's like he's a, a large, sort of, he's a large he's, gentleman. Yes. Yeah, he's sort of squat and has, you know, a, 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 a like a ginger beard kind of situation going on. Sure. Which, I mean, if they were to make a modern, you know, Jekyll and Hyde film. Sure. I would say Peter Jackson or Guillermo del Toro would be very likely candidates to direct such a thing. Certainly. I don't think they would direct the version that stars Sandy Duncan, though. No, no. What it would be, it would be some sort of a Blumhouse thing. Sure. Probably star, like, Michael Shannon or something, you know, or... Sure. Or maybe someone younger and hotter, so it would be like... Yeah, it'd be called Jack. No, it would just be called Hyde. Sure. Hide. Hide. This summer. Hide. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. That's right. Exactly. God. Uh, we yeah. got to get hired by Jason Blum. Mm-hmm. Jason mm-hmm. Blum, 
at us, please. Um, ha, are, what's your what's your relationship to Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, Andy? Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I think, if I recall correctly, I at least attempted to read the original book in middle school in like the Robert Louis Stevenson novel. Yes. I don't recall if I finished it, but I do definitely remember like getting it from like my, my 7th or 8th grade like English teachers like in classroom library and like reading it for at at school. Uh, I was a sure. big reader as a kid. Um uh other than that uh i mean i've seen uh van helsing of course um in which uh um i believe dr jekyll and mr hyde is something in that uh i have seen uh the tom cruise mummy Mm -hmm. of course in which uh, russell crowe uh has the immortal line uh oh god what is it um uh you evil incarnate me your good friend eddie hyde i believe the okay. the line that he says when he's like striking his like making his pitch to uh uh tom cruise as like them like being evil together yes, um, the, the monster avengers uh, yes uh league of extraordinary gentlemen um, have you seen league that? of extraordinary gentlemen yes i have seen that one that's th- that's what i was probably more thinking of instead of van helsing um yes i do remember i had i i think i that's one of those classic like i rented the dvd and i maybe watched that movie like two or three times once with commentary before sure. i returned it um back in the day um uh but other than like i there is a musical of, of Jekyll and Hyde. It be. is ri- written by a uh, famous musical theater laughingstock Frank Wildhorn, um, who is known for writing schlocky like stuff that just is like power ballads that are very empty and whatnot. Uh, and I believe that show was also famous because uh, you saw boobies in it when you went to see it. Okay, um, okay. Uh, okay, Andy. Listen, I know. I, I we get it. All right, come on. I'm 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 better than that, but it is what this one of the selling points was. Um, but the, and there's a filmed version of that show, of course, starring. Oh, do you, uh, do you have that? You have you bought the bootleg DVD of that? Huh? No, it's it's it not even done. a bootleg. It's like a real like professional like pro shot of that show. You know who stars in it, Ethan? Who stars in that, Andy? David Hasselhoff. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's infuriating, right? Um. You so, but yeah, but this, like this sick nonsense onto this show, Andy. Listen, this is what you get when you when you book Andy. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's here and there. Obviously, like I, it's obviously like a very like primal story, right? Like it's yeah. you know the the darkness and so, like it's certainly a concept that I'm like, yeah, you can do a lot with that. Like you can have a lot of fun with that. Um, I'm I would big... be curious to see anyone try to do it straight up. I mean, I'm sure it would be it would be like a 12 episode FX series that would be like yeah. terrible. Um, <laughs> uh... I'm a big fan of the story. Um, in preparation for this, I watched the two old movies. There are two famous wow. versions. There's one from 1941, sure, uh, with uh, Spencer Tracy. Okay, as, as uh, Doctor Jekyll, and then there's okay. a the more famous ones from 1931 
starring okay. uh, Frederick March as uh, sure. As and these are like they're like not like Universal monsters at all. They are they? not. They are no. not Universal. They were the first one at least was made by Paramount. Um, okay. And it's a. You know, I was very the Frederick March one is is not very good, but like you sure. can really tell. It's fascinating watching them back to back, where you can see the how much Hollywood changed in just ten years, okay. nineteen forty one. Yeah, like the one from forty one, Ingrid Bergman is the female lead, and like it mm-hmm. is very much playing it up as like a romance and being very you know like, sure. like kind of like post Gone with the Wind esque basically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the one from thirty one is. Uh, is a very much a pre-code film. Like it is mm-hmm. extremely scandalizing and like nasty. I was I was very taken by just wow. how how crazy that movie was. Um, mm-hmm. I have a very distinct memory of being a kid, uh, and it was Halloween, and I was at my friend's house getting ready to uh, to you know go trick or treating, and mm-hmm. uh, the the Spencer Tracy movie was on TV. Uh, her mom was watching it. And mm-hmm. I watched the transformation scene where, like, it basically right. happens in uh, in camera. They do like you know layering the two shots over each other. Sure, and cool. in the Spencer Tracy one, he really does not look any different at all as Mr. Hyde. He just kind sure. of has like his they, like, hair is a little hair. tussled, yeah. and right, yeah. like, his eyebrows are a little furrowed. But he's acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember being like, "This is ridiculous. This is so this is so funny." And and she was probably only like. 35 or whatever but she was like this is really used to pass as being right scary like why yeah and even though she was only like 35 in my head i was probably like seven or eight and i was like wow when she was a little girl this was a scary movie Right. Now, right, right. We we got real scares. Now we like we yeah. like crack the crack the code on this scary thing. <laughs> um, but yes, that was that was my experience with that. I've also seen uh, Abbott and Costello meet Jekyll and Hyde. Um, sure, which is also not very good, but a very fascinating movie because in that movie, Boris Karloff plays uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and okay. He's, the all of the Jekyll and Hyde stuff is a very serious, like played extremely straight right. version of it. Like, because I guess Universal they did that in never those, made I feel to like, make yeah. it. Yeah, right. Universal never got to make it. Like, I've seen some of the other uh, yeah. Jekyll and Hyde's, and they're like, you know, they're like gag fests or whatever. Sure. This one was very the much. Like, Costellos, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, this one was very much of like they just sort of show up here and there and make a joke. But in general, like most of the rock. Otherwise it's just a serious Jekyll and Hyde adaptation. Like this is Boris Karloff's chance to really show you what he would do with Dr. (laughs) That's wild. It's funny. Um, Yeah. Okay. But uh, that is not the movie that is being made. uh, No. Here. Um, The director is making a very unique take on. uh, Right. Where. Sandy Duncan does wire work constantly. A lot of wire work. Uh, she's very nimble. Um, yes. Like, last the last episode, like, Sandy Duncan had, like, no characterization other than, like, she's a nice lady, yeah. right? This time, basically, it's the same except they add in and she's constantly doing wire work and, like, doing acrobatics in the air. Like, yes. it's, like, the thing they have her do. For some oh, reason, yeah. and I guess it's because yeah. she played Peter Pan on stage. Like I don't know. I 
It's very strange. We have to talk about this, Andy. Yeah. How old is Sandy Duncan's Sandy Duncan in this in this episode? Oh, I mean, this is the thing. Because like, if they're remaking Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde from the original version that also starred Sandy Duncan, yeah, like there, it's got to be decades later, right? Like, so she's got to be. The most generous you could say is, like, maybe she was in her, like, 30s in the first one, and now she's, like, so it's been, like, 20 years, and she's in her 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, is, like, the most you can fudge it with, like, the animation. Obviously, the real Sandy Duncan, who was recording the vocal performance, is, like... She's 75 years old. 75 right? years old, right, yes. Um, um, she's not drawn to be 75. No, she looks basically the same as in the first episode. Which I guess they have to do, because otherwise they would have to address the question of why, why is the gang, gang age at all? Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> why? Why is Scooby still alive? <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> it, cartoons, man. It's tricky. If you have a if you have a Simpsons timeline, you can't you, you right. can you can't age the main characters at all. Right. But how do you stay current with the people? (laughs) Right. How do you do sequels? Exactly. It's it's perplexing. It really is. Yeah. Uh, So the solution is is that they just breeze on through. So quickly that you can't. They they throw so much development at you that you do not have time to consider. It took me almost as long as the runtime of the original episode to watch this because of how often I had to pause to write something down. Because they were just every every ten seconds, there's a new fascinating. Uh, Yeah, two full pages of notes on this twenty-two minute episode of television. Uh, Yeah, as you say, the introducer is actor, singer, dancer, and comedian uh, Sandy Duncan. Sandy Duncan, a phrase they will say at least three or four more times. I think. Yep, she is a. She's Daphne's friend at this point. Uh, you know, Daphne right. is her resident stunt, stunt double, I guess. Double. <laughs> what a career! What a career Daphne has. Um, Does Daphne have other jobs throughout any of the Scooby Doo history? You think Daphne works? Daphne doesn't work, right? She probably comes from money, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Daphne does not have to work unless she wants. To. <laughs> she just does some stunt doubling for fun (laughs) she's gonna as soon as she's done with the mystery thing she's gonna have a great life ahead of her in philanthropy Um, right um and i can't wait to talk about the quality of her stunt doubling which we're coming up on Um, uh, they do say that there was they they like they 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 clarified that there was indeed an original movie right and you see stills from Uh the original episode on pinned up on the corkboard and they specified that it was a humongous hit that saved the Mammoth Studios. Right, because uh, that was part of the plot, right? Was that like Mammoth Studios was like on the verge of bankruptcy yeah. or whatever. Which I find very funny that it was a hit because it didn't look very good. No, I'm sure it was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, this remake is seemingly cursed with all sorts of backstage accidents. and, and Right. Crew yes. members have gone missing. It's a, it's a bad situation. Yeah, they do say how they want to honor the original as well, which I thought was like an interesting phrasing. And I was like, is that what you're trying to do with this episode? Is honor the original episode? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that this the hallowed territory of uh, of Sandy Duncan's Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> yes. 
um, really just a beloved audience and, de and devotees. Right. Uh, that again was unavailable for decades. Yeah. <laughs> and not anyone in particular was clamoring for it, it seems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> we meet some other characters. Uh, we meet yes, the writer. They introduce suspects yes there's the writer of the film is bob who has been you know who's uh, he doesn't get a last name it's just bob he uh he's been you know painstakingly bringing this classic back to the modern era um but uh, the director does not like his script um and neither does Sandy right. duncan and like right she's just like improving all over the place he's mad about it yeah as he's he's specifically upset that they have cut out the damsel in distress angle of the uh, of the right. Film. They've made Sandy Duncan a strong, independent woman who does wire work. Um, a Mary Sue, you might say. Um, oh uh, no, Ethan, Ethan, no. So sick and tired. No, Ethan, Ethan remakes <laughs> introducing female characters that are stronger than the male character i do not endorse ethan's message it's un it's just you know it's i i leave in suspension of disbelief but this is ridiculous ethan we have to move on ray skywalker it's a great character is terrific I, I she's great i like her. yeah she just wants to uh have space adventures yeah yeah, she's got a yellow lightsaber. That's cool. Yeah, that's the cool thing about Ray. It's her yellow lightsaber. <laughs> we meet another character who's going to take the gang on a tour while Daphne's working. Uh, this is Tabitha, who for some reason is not. Yes. She's an actor in the movie, but she's not shooting the film. She's she's time to take him on a tour, I guess. Yes. <laughs> she's curious uh, how, she, how she's just there. Yeah, she's playing... Uh, uh, the best friend, perky best friend, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, so she takes the gang on a tour. This is, you know, just like as we bemoaned in the previous episode. You know, the the original movie about thirty minutes of the forty minutes are them running around a backlot, going from set to set, getting into antics. Um, yes, they do introduce a little bit of that here. She takes them to different sets. Uh, they right. Well, they to, mostly just go to the Egypt set. Yes, they right. go to the set Where of gets... Escape from Mummy Island. Oh, is that what I missed that? Yeah, she says the plot of that movie was that it was about... Okay, so if I said Escape from Mummy Island. Sure. My guess would be it's like an adventure movie. There's some sort right. of an explorer who gets lost on Mummy Island. And, and uh, right, an, uh, an island entirely populated by mummies, one would assume. Exactly, it has to escape. Yes, but in fact, the plot of the fictional film Mummy Island is about a uh, a mummy boy, a child mummy who uh, who is sick and tired of of how boring Mummy Island is and wants <laughs> to get away. <laughs> the audience is really going to sympathize with the mummy child. She said it was a huge hit, so you know I can. I guess sure. Who are we to judge? Yes. We haven't seen it. It's um, true. We have not. But yeah, shortly into her tour, Tabitha is pulled through a sarcophagus. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, right. And it's, it's, yeah. And it's everyone except for Daphne yes, is with them, is, right? Of course. Because Daphne you? is doing her stunt work. She's on, she's on set. Let's talk yes. about her, her stunt work. Right. So number one thing, 
number one notable thing I would say about Daphne's stunt work uh, is that uh, she uh, does not change her appearance to look like Sandy Duncan at all. She, no, she uh, keeps her famous long red hair, mm-hmm. uh, does not wear a wig in any way, shape, or form, is wearing the same costume, I guess, but uh, doesn't seem to have to rehearse at all either. They just sort of just like do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you see the director is the- explaining the scene they're going to shoot, uh, of course, in this iteration of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, Sandy's character, uh, you know, the uh, the female lead of the of the movie, um, of course, yeah. Ivy, uh, I believe, is is the sure. character in the original. I, yeah, like the movies that I just watched, the characters right the, in, in the Robert Louis Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. In this iteration, she is a uh, karate spy. Um, sure. Yep. For, it, is, it is, of course, eighteen ninety three, but then she uses a time machine to go to the future um yeah because uh mr hyde is going to the future to take over the world which makes sense right um they're honoring the original ethan Uh uh-huh yeah so the scene that daphne is shooting she is fighting bodyguards in astronaut suits yes it's a very strange scene and she's not it's not a choreographed fight, nor is no. it, uh, you know, like pratfalls and, and dummy punches. She's just beating up these men uh, right. <laughs> on camera. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, like, yeah. And re- like I said, she's just got her hair down. It's yep. like, would not be able to. She's probably I mean, not union, if I were to guess. Pro- um, I mean, I can't imagine. She doesn't seem to have any training. Yeah. Uh, also, Sandy Duncan is doing all the wire work. Like, which yeah, you think that would problem. be the stunt person's call? Like, she, generally, um, she does wire work, but she does not punch or kick. Of course, sure. Um, yeah, it's like a very a, bizarre vision. It's like of, having an ass double, right? I wonder if there was like a rule that they like couldn't draw her off model with like different hair or something. Because, like, I really don't understand why they didn't give her a wig. Because, like, or in the original, Sandy they did. Duncan a wig. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. They were like, Sandy Duncan, you got to look more like Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was Sandy Duncan, I would say, literally, you want to put me in, in media in 2020? You can right. do whatever you want. <laughs> I will say whatever lines you want me to say. You're going to make let me be the lead of a movie? You're going to have them call me a famous actor, singer, dancer, and comedian? I will say whatever you want. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the back lot, uh, the gang investigate Tabitha's right. appearance. Guess That's what? Going. There's a trap door. Yep, there's a trap door in the sarcophagus. Uh, they find a bungee cord laying on the ground, which is in front of a giant cage, which holds a Tyrannosaurus rex yes which begins chasing them and of course that is a classic uh cut to commercial moment where the screen fades to black as they are being chased by what appears to be a very real dinosaur we learn yeah we can see that it is an animatronic eventually uh it takes a while though yeah there's kind of a funny bit where the the animatronic gets unplugged um yeah which is funny Sure. I mean, it is like, it's that very like cartoon thing where it's like, it's an animatronic, but it like fully behaves and looks like a real dinosaur. And like, it is not 
like it is completely understandable that any character would mistake it for a real dinosaur even though there is when they cut to once they reveal that it's an animatronic you see a giant like metal thing coming out of its chest that like you never saw earlier like it's that classic cartoon thing of like we're gonna make it look real until we do a reveal and then it'll look like the fakest thing you've ever seen um and Um, they get chased by it and then they uh they run right they run to to water uh which is where which is where it gets unplugged and like runs out of steam and then then collapses into the water and is certainly destroyed i would say Um, i mean that's you would assume that couldn't be good for an electronic no yes Uh, uh and then of course as they are in the water they're st- they keep rowing away, and then a giant manta ray Which I, uh, yes. comes out of the water. Uh, they're on a, like a inflatable raft, yeah, right? The manta and ray then, is like on a track, like a like the Jaws Universal ride, basically. Like, right, it, just, it eventually is revealed to be also animatronic. Yeah, it must uh, just but, do like the same loop of just popping out of right. the water. But it does real bites apparently because it bites the. Um, the the inflatable raft which like propels them across the rest of the lake i was uh, delighted to see this thing i thought it was really fun i was like a, a giant manta ray i've never seen that before that's really cool yeah um, i mean it's like you know it's like riffing on jaws or whatever right but like yeah, but it's it wasn't very... a shark it was a manta yep. ray that's cool yeah i yeah. would watch that movie about a giant manta ray in a swamp <laughs> sure i do yes that it does pose a lot of questions uh how did the manta ray get there what does it eat typically? How does it survive in that size of a swamp? Like, there's a lot of questions about the manta ray in the swamp. But that is the halfway point. Yes. Of this episode. Which means, Andy, it's time to pause and play a little game. Oh, boy. Uh, How am I going to do? This game is called Scooby or Not Scooby. Um, it is uh, the game where I collect a series of titles, uh, some of which will, of course, be episodes of Scooby-Doo, and some of which will be something else. Now, yes. the theme this week is, is it Scooby-Doo or Universal Horror Film? Mm. Now, as we discussed, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a paramount picture, but, you know, sure. similar time, similar vibes, you get the idea. Yeah, classic horror. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, here we go. The Vampire Strikes Back. So, are, can I ask a question about the parameters? It is a any film that was classified as a horror movie produced by Universal Pictures uh, between the, the heyday of that, that goes from like 1930 to like 1955. Okay. So then this has to be a Scooby-Doo episode because they would not reference the Empire Strikes Back in a universal classic horror. You are correct. This is a Scooby-Doo episode that is a pun off of the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, The gang travels to an old Transylvanian castle on a rainy night to watch the shoot of the Hex Girls new music video, Petrified Bride. But when they get there, they find that the band is breaking up since there's a vampire on the loose. This is an episode... That may be covered uh, soon on the show when we do vam- vampiral, vampiral. Wow! I have not decided what we're going to call it yet. But it's, You're leading into the theme months. That's very exciting. Yep. 
It's going to be a month of vampire episodes. Griskamumo was such a huge success. Griskamumo blew the roof off this place. It's it's <laughs> 2020 due. I mean, we got to we got to really step yeah. things up, I say. All right. All right. One down, you're correct so far. I okay. will say last time you got 100% on this game because it was Did I? Close. Maybe maybe you didn't. No, no the other didn't. game, the other game was the one yes. where you the other game was the one where oh, I did not. I didn't write any game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how about the ghost of Frankenstein? The ghost of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Well, Frankenstein. Well, is it the ghost of Frankenstein or the ghost of Frankenstein's monster? I guess is the question. I'm sure you're not at liberty to tell me. I'm um, reading the title of. I, I understand. I'm I'm working through this, Ethan. Let me engage in the process. Um, so the most notable thing about Frankenstein's monster is that he is alive, but when formerly he was dead, uh, and so the ghost of him is like, what is that? Uh, so I am going to go with Scooby Doo episode. This is uh, a Universal horror, which surely. Wow. The fourth or fifth, I think, you know, because they do Bride and then Son of Frankenstein. And then I guess, how do you progress from there? You do Ghost. Uh, I, so, all right. Uh, I do have a it's synopsis. It's like abandoning the core of what Frankenstein is. I have a synopsis, of course. All right. Uh, Igor discovers Frankenstein's creation is still alive and brings him to the doctor's son, Ludwig, for help. Obsessed with restoring the monster to his full potential, Ludwig is unaware that someone has more devious plans for the creature. That uh, synopsis is no help, I guess. Uh, but um, No. I guess maybe there's not any actual ghosts in it, and that's just a spooky title for them. That, there's no chance that is the case. <laughs> oh, bad. I mean, well, Bride of Frankenstein, famously, the bride is only in like 10 minutes of, right? Okay, but she's in it. Sure. She's there. How about the ghost of Bigfoot? The ghost of... More ghosts! Um, ghost of Bigfoot. Bigfoot, also famously alive, I think, most times. Sure. But, like, hasn't been brought back to life. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, you, ghost, you become a ghost after you die. If you die and then come back to life and then die again, I feel like you shouldn't get to be a ghost because you've had <laughs> two rounds already. Anyway, uh, keeping ghosts now. It's ghost true. Keeping. Listen, I have a lot of ideas. Um, this is a Scooby Doo episode. This is a Scooby Doo. This is a one of the new Scooby Doo movies. Okay. On a ski trip to a lodge in Vermont, the gang meet up with Laurel and Hardy, who are trying to get a job. When <laughs> they discover the ghost of Bigfoot is on the loose, they team up to get, capture him. Wow, we stand in Ollie, of course. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Cullen. Check the out Cullen's great tweet about that. Sorry, go ahead. The ghost of Mrs. Shusham. Shusham, Mrs. Shusham has to be Scooby Doo. Yes, this is a, a puppet named Scooby Doo. Uh, the ghost of the librarian from the old Coolsville Library is after Shaggy for a missing book, Pizza Parrot and the Butterbean Bunnies, and wants it in before midnight. Sounds like a Shaggy book, yeah. Mrs. Shusham. Mm-hmm. 
She works at the library. She was destined to work at the library. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's called nominative determinism right there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, with, look at you with your literary theory. <laughs> Revenge of the Swamp Monster. Uh, universal horror movie. This is a Scooby-Doo and Guess Who episode. You wow. Shaggy becomes the unlikely caddy of celebrity basketball player Chris Paul when the latter enters a charity golf tournament to help an art school, which is not only on the brink of closing, but also haunted by a swamp monster. Uh, wow. That one is the premiere episode of Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. I um, see. In which famously their first guest was a basketball player and the episode was about golf. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, naturally. I should have uh, found the episode by going into the show page on, on on HBO Max instead of just searching for the episode title. I might have seen it. You missed opportunity. Yeah. The Phantom Creeps. Okay. Now, I know famously with my friend Jesse, mm-hmm. you have covered the episode of, an episode of Scooby-Doo devoted to the Creeper. Yes. So this would be a different person who creeps. The Phantom, the Phantom. Creeps. The Phantom of the Opera. It's one, either presume. It's either plural of Phantom Creeps. Oh, or it's explaining what the Phantom does. It's right. One or the other. I was I was looking at it as a verb exclusively. I did not consider it as an adjective. Um, is a plural adjective, I guess. Um, or noun. That's a noun. Uh. There you go. You got yeah, there. I got there. I, Look at I you with the literary theory. <laughs> I do SAT, ACT tutoring. It's no big deal. Um, uh, uh, this Phantom, I'm going to guess it's a Phantom of the Opera thing, and I'm going to guess it's Universal. This is a Universal horror. Um, doesn't seem to be about uh, Phantom of the Opera. Instead, the right. plot is a mad scientist attempts to rule the world by creating various elaborate inventions. Sure. I guess you know. Must be making creeps. Sure. Monster on the campus. Monster on the campus. Mm -hmm. That's Scooby Doo. Campus is is a. uh, This is a. Wow. uh, I got a synopsis for you. A college paleontology professor acquires a newly discovered specimen of a coelacanth, but while examining it, he is accidentally exposed to his blood and finds himself periodically turning into a murderous Neanderthal man. Um, kind of an early slasher. Uh, sure. Seems to be what if Jekyll and Hyde, but Mr. Hyde was a caveman. Um, okay. I, for some reason, must have a, have a incredibly false idea in my head that like animal house invented the college movie, which I am now realizing is like a very stupid thing to think. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Um, you think that you think that there was not a single film set at right. a college? I realize, animal this, a, house? this, right. It's a very dumb thing that I had an unexamined belief about animal house, which came out in 1980. Yes. It's incredibly dumb that I ever thought that, but uh, apparently I did. And I, so thank you for helping me grow as a person, Ethan. You're welcome. I'll keep you in line anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one, Andy. Yes. 
The scarab lives. Where am I at? I'm at like 50-50 right now. Basically. Um, okay. The scarab lives. So an Egypt thing. Um, scarab. Uh, Scooby-Doo. This is a Scooby-Doo. Excellent job. Yeah. This is uh, and the first strong. episode of Scooby and Scrappy-Doo Show, in which <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby's favorite comic book, The Blue Scarab, becomes the center of this mystery when his the writer is haunted by his own comic creation who wants him to stop writing. Sure. So not an Egypt thing at all, but a superhero. Yeah. All right. All right. Back to the app. Back to the app. Uh, On to my second page of notes. The tour is over. Yes. Uh, Velma and the gang bump into the head of the studio, who is understandably stressed out. Things are not going well. Uh, sure. He he runs off and leaves behind. Right. He leaves behind his insurance policy for some yes, reason. A very important piece of document right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you only knew how stressed he should be. You're all, uh, people always be carrying around their insurance policies and then forgetting them. It's just a constant. If, you, if I had a penny for every time I found someone's insurance contract at my work in the Lost and Found. Um <laughs> Velma naturally picks it up and reads it, you know. I mean, right. In she her, just found it. There's no there's nothing illegal right. about this. But then she's so, like she's very smarty pants about it. Like, oh, like obviously only I could see how an important clue important of a clue this is. Yeah, it turns out that this the, the studio, Mammoth Studios, has pulled out a insurance policy. Yeah. It says if very production nice of the dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde goes under production fails right then the studio stands to make hundreds of millions of millions of dollars it's a real producer's scheme it seems like what (laughs) insurance company in the world would Would agree to this policy (laughs) yes um actually after reading the script am i right right yeah (laughs) like listen it stars 70 year old sandy duncan it can't Miss, it's gonna make a billion. It's gonna beat Avatar. But, the last uh, one came out in 1971. It must. <laughs> it was a huge hit. Yes, I mean, this one we're going to space. <laughs> it's Buffalo Bo, guaranteed. <laughs> It'd be foolish for you not to insure us for hundreds of millions of dollars. We'll put up millions of dollars. There's no way it could possibly fail. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, I can't imagine any circumstances work. No. <laughs> I don't even think they would ensure Avengers Endgame for that. No. <laughs> I I mean like ins- like obviously like big budget movies have insurance. Or like and like sure. famously like uh Fast Seven, right? Or Fast Fury Seven when Paul Walker died, like exactly. they were like fine because they had insurance. And like could balloon the budget of the movie to finish it, but that's like the kind of insurance they have typically. Yeah. Not yeah. like if this movie never happens, you will pay us more than what we would have made if it, unless it was the biggest movie of all time. If like, somehow on the production of Uncharted, Tom Holland lost the ability to walk, they, right. that's what they would be insuring. Yes, <laughs> not 
nobody wanting to see the movie. Right. Um, but uh, obviously the, the uh, Velma and the Mystery Inc. gang are quite suspicious now of the yeah. uh, producer. Seems like a good candidate, of course. There's right. also... They run uh, through all the candidates at this yeah. point. There's four of them. Yeah, you right. got Tabitha, you got uh, you got the, um, the director, director, you have the, the writer, and then also uh, now the, the star of the movie, Bill Billingsley, because he looks right. like Mr. Hyde. Because uh, right, because he wears a Mr. Hyde costume as he is playing Mr. Hyde. But it turns out it, it cannot be him because then he is abducted by the monstrous Mr. Hyde. Uh, right. The gang. I like this part where the gang chases after. Uh, it's a good Mr. chase. Hyde. Yes. Yeah. Instead um, of just being like, "Well, they he took him. Let's investigate." They're like, right. no, we can stop him. <laughs> right. It's he is within our grasp if we There's run. Six of us. Yes. <laughs> um, if we yes. Uh yeah. They they apply logic in a way that they rarely do Scooby Doo. Um uh and yeah, it's a very fun chase sequence. Uh all over the back lot, right? This is the one that's yeah. all over the back lot, right? Yeah, they where go to, like they go to a Wild western West, town. Uh they go to like a Northern Nights African sort of, bizarre yeah, thing. Right, yeah. Shaggy and Scooby belly dance. Um, Andy thinks that's really fun and cool. He just said that. Um, <laughs> what are this is people are gonna hear this. Come on. <laughs> I'm not I'm literally not putting words in your mouth. He said that the chase scene's really cool and funny. <laughs> um and then they go to a space set. There's like yeah, they go to a space set, they're aliens there too. Um, right, and they go back and forth across like all three areas, which I think is yes. Like it's they funny. Keep, like, it's like classic cartoon stuff where like everyone will like run in one door, and then like yeah. everyone will switch doors and stuff. It's like you know classic like, animation gags. Like it's, it's literally classic Scooby Doo gag. Yes, for sure. This is literally what Scooby Doo is known right. for. It's the Scooby Doo bread and butter. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for your respect for once. <laughs> for once. <laughs> <laughs> this is my second time here <laughs> but yes you're right it is fun because like they do a whole bit where like suddenly the rest of the like like he'll be chasing them and then they'll be chasing him right it's, they're it's in fun. alien costumes and he gets scared and then yeah. before they catch him they take off the alien masks and then he's like wait a minute i'm not scared and then he starts chasing them again yeah just classic stuff they end up riding golf carts around in like a french villa set um, yes, where Sh- where Scooby pop bounces out of one uh, golf cart and into Mr. Hyde's golf cart. Um, right. Luckily, uh, luckily, Sandy Duncan's there to save the day. She yes, with her wires on her wires. Apparently, place. she's able to operate all these wires completely independently. Um, they she's just give her the power of flight. She's a very <laughs> gifted acrobat. What can we say? Um, <laughs> Extremely uh-huh. agile for seventy-five-year-old woman. Yes, seventy-five <laughs> years old. My goodness. Uh, I saw Kathy Rigby do Peter Pan on farewell to her, where she was like in her fifties or whatever, her fifties or sixties. Okay, uh, and she like flew. Um, but uh, yeah, those things they seem tough, and they do require entire teams to operate them. Is all I'll say. Um, uh, they yes, the the guy gets away. 
but he leaves behind an old painting. Yes, uh, of course. A prop painting. Right. Um, and, and Velma quickly discovers on the back of the painting is a blueprint of the studio. Right. 1930. I wonder if this will be helpful to resolving the plot very quickly. It really seems to be so, because now we take a dramatic left turn. Yes. Into when things really start to fall apart, I would say. Um, because Velma says... It's really a, a, like a perfect reboot line where she's like, I know just the guy that we have to, uh, you know. Right. It, she's like solved about it now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, uh, like when you got to go find Jamie Lee Curtis to take down Michael Myers or whatever. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or in uh, Cats and Dogs 2, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, where they have to go. Uh, meet the old cat in, in cat prison to find out how to uh, get to the mind of um, Kitty Galore. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Is the o- old cat from Cats and Dogs, the first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They wow. wheel him out in a, in a Hannibal Lecter uh, muzzle. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cats and Dogs, of course, famously the first film I ever owned on DVD. A great movie, I think. I think it's terrific. I, lo- I watch it all the time on VHS. Don't understand why anybody ever disliked that movie. When's the um, last time you watched it? It was probably six. Okay. Just leave that there. What are you saying? You think it's not good? I, 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 I have also not seen it in a very long time. Okay. So you think you've grown as a person. Didn't say that. You think that I'm just a little kid. Nope. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they go with the blueprint to see who else but Mr. Fairchild. Who? Mr. Fairchild. The original Mr. Hyde. (laughs) Right. Of course. I remember <laughs> the villain of the, the right the the, the guy who reviews for it. I might be able to like look up something in there. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the twist of that episode was that the bad guy was a silent film star. Right. Or perhaps not, maybe not silent, but at least a star from like... It was some guy whose like time had passed. He had been, he was a star in the 30s, at the very latest, the 40s. Yeah. uh, From Mammoth Studios long past. And he had been living beneath the studio this entire time. Uh, Right. He had famously gone missing, but it was in fact living in the walls... And like knew all the secrets of where everything was. Exactly. Being very suspicious uh, for timely reference. He's kind of the, we don't talk about Bruno of the. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> You're clout chasing, Ethan. I'm getting, getting really the Encanto stands. Into the, uh, into <laughs> Hashtag, we don't talk about Bruno. With the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, will, I will have that in the tweet. To get them to listen to, I think we're about an hour and twenty minutes into this. Something episode. like that. <laughs> um, so, Good song. Yeah, 
Great song. I think it's great. It's my favorite song in the movie. I'm um, a surface pressure guy, but I get it. All right, Mister. I'm different than everybody else. Listen, surface pressure also very popular. You know, we we don't talk about Bruno made the like broke the broken all the records, but surface pressure is like right underneath it, and would be very notable if it weren't for we don't talk. about it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like your favorite song is uh, the um, the the Oscar shortlist yeah, one, yeah. Dos Orguitas. Yes, me. the two, ca- my, two uh, caterpillars. Two caterpillars, yes. Excuse me for my terrible Spanish. I apologize if I offended you. I, I can't believe I let you on this show. Oh, but, uh, you never have to again if you don't no, want to. No, 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 Andy. We're, 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 we're friends. This will be good. I can't Absolutely. wait. Absolutely. I mean, I'm having a great time. Um, I'm having a blast. We're almost done with this episode. It's crazy. Yes, Mr. <laughs> Fairchild. Yes. He's back. Thank he's, God. He's being voiced by Frank Welker this time. Sure. He's an old man, only seemingly a little older than he was before. Um, but if we're going off of like actual uh, time, mm-hmm. he should be dead. dust. He yes. should be, <laughs> should be long dead. <laughs> should, his skeleton should be, you poke it and it, and right. it crumbles. He should be head. a spooky skeleton haunting the gang. Yeah, yeah, but in fact, he's still alive, and he's, I guess, out of he's quite lucid and like able to help. He's out of jail and is working at the studio again. Sure, no harm done. He's the record keeper of. Although I guess they're like they're like late. They're about to be like yes, the studio has like changed hands a million times, and like no one remembers anything. So I guess it makes yeah. sense that he'd be able to get a job there again. He's the record keeper of Mammoth Studios past. Uh, he reveals to them that, uh, of course, the studio has been torn down and repaved so many times that somewhere yeah. out there yeah. is a lost vault of all of the original uh, movies. Historical, right, yeah. You know, the original prints of their first films, um, which could conceivably be worth millions of dollars. Sure, uh, which I guess... I don't. I feel like you hear, you occasionally hear about like lost prints being discovered. Usually, they're then just like restored or like sent to archives. I feel like they're not usually someone's paying millions of dollars for these old prints of movies. I guess if you found like the original print of The Wizard of Oz and uh, Gone with the Wind, like the first ever print, real maybe. You could sell I, it, it to a collector for a lot of money. It, I, yeah, I guess. But the way, but these are lost films. Like no one has seen these films. Like they're not famous movies anymore. I feel like is the the way that they describe them. Oh, I guess you're right. Well, maybe maybe Mammoth is is looking to expand it to Mammoth Plus. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe uh, it's all going to be content for the streaming exactly. service. Of course, the, an exclusive library of 1920s and 30s films that no yeah. one will. Uh, if that everyone is, will go gaga over and pay five ninety nine a month for access to. I mean, if they are truly supposed to be the analog for Paramount Studios, then that is exactly the case with Paramount Plus, in which their self-described mountain of movies includes several hundred um, movies from the 30s, 40s, and 50s that no one has ever heard of or will ever watch. But they're there, yeah. and you can watch them. We love them, them, folks. And that's why I love Paramount Plus. Andy Stream and good I fight are... Now. Uh, uh, corporate affiliates of Paramount Plus. Um, Please, Paramount Plus. You want to pay for my subscription? I will 
plug you whenever you want. Yeah, I've, me too. Truly, I will. I will. I will advertise you every single episode at least five times if you pay for my subscription. That's um, that's it. Nothing else beyond just covering the cost of the subscription. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, okay. It's got to be the ad-free tier, of course. It has to be the ad-free tier with the Showtime bundled in. That's what it. Sure. That's, yes. that's the deal. That'll right. be worth five times an episode. Yes. <laughs> Glad to see you have principles, even. Of course, of course, uh, and and a one uh, one line speaking role in season two of iCarly twenty twenty one. That's all. Yeah. I ask. <laughs> Does it have to be with Carly? Be with whoever. I just want to be on the show. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> I want to be on the good fight. I would love to have a scene with Audra, Christine, any of them. Look at you begging, begging Paramount Plus, and it's not even your own show. This is ridiculous. What? Uh, <laughs> it's my show. I'm going to cut that out. Get put All me right. on, on Paramount Plus, not Andy. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'll next next can I kick it? I will yeah, you can make a pitch on to Paramount Plus. <laughs> um Yes, but so the vault is lost. The only way that you could possibly find the vault is if you happen if to if you had a very old map. <laughs> a blueprint specifically from nineteen thirty, which it turns out the gang's got. What? I know, I know. Right, and they're like, there, there is a line at some point where they're like, because they always like just reused shit. Like they always just like painted over everything. Yeah. So like that's why like this prop exists that has a map on the back of it. Yeah. Uh, There's a there's a very funny bit where they start looking for the vault and Velma like she's got her iPad out. She's like, uh, I have converted all of the blueprints into a three dimensional map of the uh, of the modern day. Um, uh, Mammoth Studios. And then they cut to an insert shot, and the animators have clearly just drawn like a blinking red light on the on the completely two dimensional uh, blueprint. Yes. <laughs> it uh, does not look very fancy, no. <laughs> Which I can't blame them. If I were them, I would be frankly livid at the amount of things I had to animate. For this it's video. so much, <laughs> and there's more coming. <laughs> oh boy, is there! So they decide they need to attract uh, the monster. So they're going to make a movie? Um, <laughs> they have Scooby-Doo be the director? Right. Uh, they're going to do like a trap movie that is going to like that the that Mr. Hyde will like uh, be unable to resist causing chaos on the set of. Uh-huh. Um, they have uh, Scooby's the director, Daphne's the camera guy, and then uh, Shaggy is Shaggy. playing um, Dr. Jekyll on screen. And, San- and, and then you have actress, comedian, dancer, singer. Sandy Duncan. Sandy uh, Duncan. Shaggy, they should not have put on camera. He is not media trained at all. Um, no, she has to keep telling him to say the line different. And he's like, yeah. And then he does it wrong again. She's also, she's doing an accent as Genevieve, as this character, by the way. Yeah. kind of She's a real actress perplexing sequence i would say um yes it doesn't make any sense it's too why why do they need to do this much to to attract mr hyde he just keeps he has kept showing up anyway they've written lines so that uh shaggy is the like keeps showing off his blueprints that he's got in his hands um yeah and then mr hyde shows up and 
steals the blueprints, but the gang is ready for him. Yes, they have, uh, not only have they, like, prepared this scene to shoot, they then have, like, a big, like, this is how the trap will go plan. Yes, they have an elaborate trap, which starts with Shaggy and Scooby chasing Mr. Hyde on a T-Rex. Yes. Uh, the animatronic T-Rex. On the, yeah, the, the same one that you saw earlier, yeah. Yeah, that we assumed had been destroyed in the water, but uh, that was nope, a red it's back. Yes. Yep. Um, it, it, they <laughs> capture him in their mouth, in the, I'm oh, sorry, in the, in the dinosaur's mouth. Right. Then they launch. And you think that would be enough? Yeah, but no. They launch him into the air. He f- crashes through the soundstage, lands on another set. Right. Where now he is in a coliseum where Fred runs him over with a right. chariot. They like, hand it over to Fred. I guess everyone just has to be included as like have a, having a trap. And that's why like they keep going. Yeah, he is he is trampled by horses and, and run over by chariot. Yeah. Which then knocks him into uh, the bazaar again, where um, Daphne is waiting. She took the time to dr- to change into like a uh, yeah. Now she changes costume. <laughs> yes, into like a like a belly dancer outfit, um, just to launch him out of a catapult. Um, right. And then he lands in the swamp where he is uh, eaten by what? the manta. Right. And he is then spat back into- out. Where the gang is waiting with the giant dinosaur cage open to capture him, but he misses the cage and instead crashes through the concrete right. floor. Their aim is off. He's just he just goes right through the floor. And what yeah. would surely kill a person? I think many of the things that he goes through would kill him. But, yes, uh, he should be dead several times over. But uh, it's a cartoon. We can. Forget. It's a cartoon, and they unmask the guy, and it's not a guy at all. Oh no! Guess who it is? It's uh, Tabitha. Tabitha, the perky friend. Right. Um, and this really sucks, I think. Yeah. Velma explains that... Velma Tab- you gives please, the you most obnoxious explanation of how she figured it. You go ahead. I mean, yeah. So Velma, she has... They give her this weird smirk mm-hmm. This in, the entire time that she's, like, explaining how she knows mm-hmm. what happened. And it's just, like, it's the most puzzling, like, character animation choice to me in the whole episode. Because I'm like, why does she look, like, this obnoxious? Um, But Tabitha is, uh, she's tired of having these roles, these best friend roles. She's not content to just be a working actress. She wants to be a leading lady. So she, her plan was to find these film prints. Yep. And then sell them off and then buy the studio. So she used to be an intern for the set department, of course. Right. The props department, which is where yeah. she found this old blueprint. Right. And then she started looking for the vault because movies now are made on green screens. So nobody's ever on the on the back back lot until sure. the dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde, of course. Right. Which they have to honor the original. Mm-hmm. So then she needed to end the production so she could continue her search in peace. Um, she rigged up the mummy uh, abduction with a bungee cord to make it look as though she had been captured uh, somehow. <laughs> but yes, as you say, she's a big fan of Sandy Duncan and regrets doing this, but she wanted to 
make a lot of money so that she could be the star of her own movies. Yes. Which, Which is not good. If she sold all those prints, I don't think she would have enough money to buy the studio as an individual. I mean, <laughs> like, you individuals that. don't buy movie studios anymore. Like, that's not how it works. You, If you're a movie studio, you're owned by a giant conglomerate of some sort. <laughs> You say that, but then we cut to the uh, studio head saying that because they found the vault, they were able to uh, save the studio. Right, save the finances of the studio or whatever. And then produce the movie, and guess what? It's a big hit. It's going to be a hit. Um, They end with uh, the gang gang gang, to be in the movie. (laughs) Sure, and in the space sequence, Mm -hmm. and they do uh, like astronaut stuff on wires, and it goes very terrible. And then... Sandy Duncan says, "Have a Scooby Dooby day." Right. Well, that's the right. They like crash into each other. They like get all tied up or whatever. And then Sandy Duncan has throughout the episode been like, "Well, look on the bright side." That's like her other characteristic besides constantly doing wire work is that she looks on the bright side, and she uh, can't think of a thing to look on the bright side for at the end because they've destroyed the set and are tied up together. What are you gonna do? You know. Yeah, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> After it. she says, have a Scooby-Dooby day or whatever. That's it. A lot happens. Yeah. One it's extremely frantically based. More happens in this than happens in the other one, which is twice as long. Yes, correct. Uh, whether or not that's a good thing, we will discuss when we get to the... The rating um, scale, yes. Rating section of the episode. But first, Andy... Yeah. It's time for Jinkies or Stinky. Oh boy, I've been what you've been waiting months for this opportunity. Finally to play a real game of Jinkies or Stinky. Because famously last time I discovered on air that I had not written the fake the, ones. The I only stinkies. had some real They were only Jinkies and I knew them all. <laughs> yes, jinkies only, so it was a uh... Not a very fun game. <laughs> right. We gave up after like two or three, I think. Yes. But this time I've got six full stories for you. Hell yeah. Let's bring Stinkies it up. Stinkies. Now, for those of you who are unaware of how this game works, uh, each week I find six stories that are related to the to- a topic in the episode, some of which will be true, which are chinkies, and some of which may be fake, which are stinkies. And those... Uh, the topic this week, Andy, mm-hmm. is remakes and reboots. Hell yeah! You know, a lot. We love the history of this in the film industry. They're what um, the uh, they're yeah the heart of the heart of modern Hollywood. Yep. So here we go. Are you ready to go? You ready to play? Let's do it. I'm so ready. All right. Here we go. This episode isn't the only remake of the Jekyll and Hyde story. In the mid-90s, the classic monster movies were back in a big way. Between Coppola's Dracula, Branagh's Frankenstein, and Mike Nichols' Wolf, the trend was to take one of the old universal horror films and get an auteurist director and a famous actor at the helm. Paramount attempted this with Jekyll and Hyde as well greenlighting a movie simply called Mr. Hyde, a self-described serious psychological take on the character. They approached Adrian Lin to direct, uh, mm-hmm. director of um, uh, 
Indecent Proposal, of course, um, and had Jeff Goldblum in Talks to Star before the project was scrapped after the one-two punch of Goldblum's quote increasing after Independence Day came out and the smash hit of the Eddie Murphy comedy, The Nutty Professor. Is this a jinky or a stinky? I think this is a stinky. This is a stinky. I did make this one up. You're right. Good. I'm, I'm glad. It sounds like it would have been very bad. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum what? is all wrong for... You don't... Oh. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I love him. I mean, well, I know. I don't love him currently because <laughs> I think he's a bad man. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you did just say that. Sure. But you did retract. So. I, have ve- I have very much enjoyed many of his on-screen performances. Uh, oh. I have heard rumors of him not being uh, a great stand-up guy in real life and i uh you know you know what jeff goldblum movie i really love what's that cats and dogs <laughs> of course he's like a person in that right right he's a human being yes. yeah they got him to show up on set uh-huh. all right here we go one of the first film remakes that we know of was made in 1911 Silent film tycoon Frank Bathgate decided to remake the iconic George Melier 1902 film, A Voyage to the Moon. He did not have the eye for production design or movie magic that Melier had, but knew there was something to the image of the moon with a rocket in its eye. He doubled mm-hmm. the film's length to a whopping 20 minutes. Mm. But unfortunately, a majority of the movie's runtime was now dedicated to an author character pacing back and forth trying to write the plot for the story. Bathgate <laughs> also introduced a romance between the main protagonist and an alien princess. Her makeup just sort of looked like she had some triangles drawn on her cheeks, but nevertheless, she was from the moon and was in love with the scientist character. To recreate the main image of the moon with a rocket in its eye, Bathgate literally just stole it, cutting the frames out of the original reels and splicing them into his. And thus, we have the first time ever that a science fiction film was worse than the original. Is that a jinky or a stinky? I think that's a jinky. It's a stinky. I made oh, it. Oh, you got me. I gotcha, Andy. All right. Wow. You're at 50-50 so far. Mm-hmm. Doing great. The stealing frames detail is very nice, I must say, Ethan. Well, what are you going to do? The most recent media property to be rebooted, of course, is my beloved... Scream franchise. Oh, sure. While he has effectively no involvement with the most recent film, Kevin Williamson did share his idea for Scream 5 should he have gotten to make it. Mm -hmm. He pinned the script around 2017, wanting to write a film that lampooned the horror movies of that decade. He claimed that the movie would have Sidney Prescott thinking she'd been possessed by the ghost of the original Ghostface Killers and a reference to the extremely popular Conjuring and Insidious films of the time period. Meanwhile, Gail Weathers would be using her platform for performative activism in direct response to the popularity of Get Out. The studio was wary of making a Scream film so soon after Craven's death, so the movie never got off the ground, though it sounds like we may have dodged a bullet. Sure. Uh, That is a jinkies, I think. This is a stinky. I made it up. You big goof. I'm getting a suspicion about what's happening here. We're only halfway through. Okay. I'm just saying. You like symmetry, I think. And there's a chance for symmetry here. 
In the early 90s, Dutch director George Leiser released his incomparably bleak thriller, The Vanishing, which garnered attention for being uncompromisingly dark and uncomfortable to watch. A few years later, he was approached to remake his own film in English for American audiences. He agreed, but decided he needed to get into the minds of an American family to understand what makes them tick, as the film is heavily dependent on relationship dynamics. So for research purposes, he convinced a couple from Georgia to let him follow them around for a week, taking notes of what they do and say. Needing to understand their insecurities more than anything, he would interview them both separately and ask prying questions, insinuating that the other had made disparaging comments about their behavior. The week ended prematurely with a big fight between the husband and wife after only four days, and Slizer was asked to leave them alone. Seemingly, none of this experiment made it into the American version of The Vanishing, which was a significant failure at the box office. Is this a jinky or a stinky, Andy? I think it's a stinky, Ethan. It's a stinky, you're right. Oh. You're so right. Funny, that. Well, you're at 50-50 so far. All right. We got two more, right? We got two more. We got two. All right. All right. I'll say at no point have I ever said that there has to be three jinkies and three stinkies. That's true. I've never established how many of either there are. It changes every episode. That's true. Laying that out there. I'm not accusing you of anything, certainly. I'm playing unfair. I'm not accusing you of that, certainly. When Paul W.S. Anderson approached Jason Statham to be the lead of his remake of Death Race 2000, he agreed, but with a list of stipulations. Firstly, at no point in the film could he be standing next to an actor that is noticeably taller than him. At least 40 minutes of the film had to be action scenes starring his character Frankenstein, in which he is unambiguously in control. Frankenstein also had to win the race, which Anderson thought was a funny request and showed that Statham did not watch the original movie in which Frankenstein pretty handily wins and saves the world at the end. To prove his dedication to the project, Statham spent six months getting in shape, completely cutting off alcohol from his diet, and spending three hours a day in the gym practicing the capoeira martial art. Is this a jinky or a stinky? I don't believe that Jason Statham would prepare that hard for a role. That's a stinky. It's a stinky. You're right. You're right. We're at five out of six now. All right. We've got one left. Yeah. Are Bring it ready? on. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Everyone's, I'm sure, waiting on bated breath like me to find out. I think. <laughs> one of the most pressing things for any studio making a reboot is how do you top the original film? This was at the back of the minds of the producers of the 2001 Planet of the Apes film who tasked screenwriter Lawrence Connor with coming up with an ending that would be even more of a shocking twist than the Statue of Liberty reveal at the end of the original film. His first idea was to have the movie zoom out and be taking place in a computer game being played by a very 90s-looking boy with a pet chimpanzee. The boy would then make a joke to the chimp about it all being ridiculous before the ape mauls him and the movie cuts to black. He also suggested an ending in which Charlton Heston returns as the old man version of his character from the original and says that this wasn't Earth at all, but Mars. And he needed Mark Wahlberg to come with him to make it back to the planet of the apes. But the studio rejected all of his ideas until they settled on the one in the film, which ends on the reveal that the time continuum had been changed, so that the Lincoln Memorial had been replaced with a monument to Guerrilla General Fade. Andy? Is this a jinky or a stinky? 
Well, Ethan, what is truth, really? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so re- it, it, truth is relative is a thing people say so often. They do say that. It's true. Um, I think this is a stinky, Ethan. That is a stinky. I made Hell it Hell yes. Andy, you have made it through a complete round of jinkies or stinkies. Oops, all stinkies. <laughs> Oops, all stinkies. But the factory, time... someone switched the factory switch wrong. <laughs> but this time it was all intentional. I yes. gotcha. <laughs> I only figured out halfway through. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Great work. That we was very a couple, but we yes, had a it's good true. Time I did have a great time. You, I have a huge smile on my face, which you cannot see right now because we are not using video during this recording. But well, thank you fun. for playing, Anthony. Of course. Before we let you go, we do have to rank the dreaded remake of Jekyll and Hyde on our Scooby Doo right. Now, I'm going yes. to give you the tiers once more. Uh, starting from the bottom is the rut row tier. That's the worst of the worst, the absolute bottom of the barrel. Yes. Up from that is the uh, Scooby Dumb tier, which is where right. I believe the previous we episode. We placed the last episode, yes, that's up. right. Yeah. Um, then is the middle of the road, that is the uh, Just Another Mystery tier, is the name uh-huh. of that one. Up from that is the Groovy tier, for episodes we think are really fun, we like a lot, but just don't do enough to make it into the best of the best, the cream of the crop, the Golden Scoob tier. Yeah. Andy, what are we thinking? For your second episode, ever sure. Coming. Well, this is a clear golden scoop, I think. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm gonna have to push back on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool as a cucumber, <laughs> just <laughs> rejecting my pitch. Uh, that's great. Uh, no, I mean it's got to be middle of the road, right? Because it's better than the last one, but it it's is still not very good. Better than the last one, yeah. Yes, but it has plenty of problems. Yes. So we do have to put it into the uh, just another mystery. Just another mystery. Yes. Perfect place for it, I think, because it's bizarrely not that special. Um, but... No, I mean, yeah, you would think like it would should be a bigger deal, given that it is like a huge like callback to like the history of Scooby Doo, which yeah. like they should like they should honestly do that more, right? Like it's like they have that, and like it's like a thing that they could really pull on i feel like if they really wanted to but um they don't do it very well unfortunately in this episode certainly not in this case yeah um yeah all right is that it (laughs) ethan did we lose ethan ethan i can't hear you Uh oh, Ethan disconnected. Folks, um, wow, how about that? My computer is back <laughs> right at the very end of the episode. That's, that's <laughs> okay. I was like, Ethan, are you there? Like, is that it? <laughs>
What's going on? Um, so um, there's some weird, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you can edit My recording out. is still fine, though. And uh, Yes, my, my personal recording is also still going. So we're all good. Uh, I'm back. <laughs> and luckily, we're at like a very natural transition. Exactly. So it's not even going to be an awkward cut. So Andy, I will say, I think that we are, that there's truly no doubt in my mind, we have to be the only people in the world to have ever spent uh, a collective... Work. Three hours discussing yeah. these two uh, pieces We're of media. Pushing four, honestly, at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, three and a half, maybe. Uh, yes, we certainly have given this more attention than perhaps even the people creating it. Gave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, we've recorded as much audio as Sandy Duncan did in both cases. <laughs> much more, um, certainly. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I wonder what that record session was when they had her back. Yeah. That must have been interesting. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Do you know? Do they record together, or do they tend to record? Probably I know most animation shows days. record apart. These I days. can't yeah. imagine that they do, considering yeah. how much like Gray Delisle works, you know, and even Frank Welker. I can't imagine that they're in the same uh, sure studio these days. Um, right, all those people probably just have home studios where they knock out all their work at home. Yeah, I mean, certainly these days. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, you know, we we did talk about it though. Certainly, and I'm sad there's not a third one for us to talk about again. We'll have to find something else to talk about uh, in the future. Yes, we will find a way to get you back on the show. Uh, whatever you want, you'll, you'll get to talk about for sure. Because I love talking to you, Andy. Ethan, that's so nice of you to say. I love talking to you. And I'm glad that you came back and did this with me. Uh, had a lot of fun, and I'm very grateful. Thank you. Uh, so I had much. a lot of fun, too. Thank you for having me. It was a real blast. Do you have anything that you would like to plug for the wonderful people? Sure. I mean, you know, same thing as last time. I have a can I kick it? It's a podcast about film festivals where we talk about uh, film festivals, the films that play them. The We sometimes simulate our own awards. Recently, we gave our uh, best of the year uh, a juried award, which is a fun, unique format that we do that requires us to come to a consensus pick on a list of outstanding elements in a movie uh and we are four people who do not see eye to eye on many films um and coming up with we of course have uh, uh coverage of the sundance film festival which just uh, wrapped up uh as we're recording this so uh big time for can i kick it big doings uh we also i guess we sh- i should shout out our primer episode which came out a couple weeks ago which if you don't know anything at all about film festivals we like went through the whole calendar year of film festivals and sort of talked about what they what the different festivals are how they operate relationship to each other what the different feelings of them all sort of are uh and really sort of like it's a good like intro to the world of film festivals if it's something you don't know anything about and would like to learn about and i think it's a pretty fun conversation as well we have a good time ethan's yeah. been on also i have been on a few times uh i i greatly recommend that primer episode i listened to it um i feel that i know a fair amount about the uh the yeah. festival circuit and i still learn stuff so if you sure if you emilio did a great, lot of research yes. for that episode he read Absolutely. a book <laughs> a, great, a great uh a great podcast highly recommend any Thank episode you. of can i kick it love love listening to that um and uh i love it when they're on this show yeah <laughs> and i guess also like follow me personally on twitter or letter term a-n-d-y-t-e-r-m 
Uh, I'm a lot of fun. I'll tweet a lot about um, Jim's dad. Yep. I don't know. What else do I tweet about? Musical theater. I'll tweet like Tony Awards performances, that sort of thing. You can certainly follow him in those places. Uh, I don't know if I will recommend that as, as wholeheartedly as I recommend Can I sure. Kick It? But of course. Yeah. I mean, much less effort put into those things, certainly. <laughs> if you want to follow me, you can do so on Twitter at the real Brundine. You can follow the show at Heavy Metal Pod on Twitter. If you like the show, please tell your friends about it. You know, uh, this is a great way to grow niche podcasts is if you know somebody you think might like it, just tell them to listen. And that's, I would really appreciate that. Um, this is a weekly show. Each week we cover a different episode of Scooby-Doo. It could be from anywhere in the, the canon of Scooby-Doo. So much. Um, don't know what we're going to be covering next week, but I guarantee you it will be fun. Um, and probably very different from what we talked about today. Without question. Uh, and one more thank you to Andy for guesting on this show. Uh, thank you to all of you for listening. And as always, to all you meddling kids out there, remember to stay groovy. Ooh, ooh, <laughs>